Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grabs, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And a handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! Alright, what's up guys? Good to see everybody. Um, as always, I'm your host, Mr. Kane Schwartz, and I'm joined by my fellow podcasting mates, Mr. Tyler North and Mr. Jaden Kozak. Tyler, welcome back to the pod, man. How you feeling? Feeling good, man. Uh, exciting weekend. Uh, I was lucky enough to snag a ticket to that Chiefs Bills game, and uh, all I can say is, you know, what a game that was. Uh, not only best game of the year, um, but and it, it it's got it's gonna go down as one of the best all time so um other than that though, yeah doing well actually got to go to the kansas texas tech game the night yeah, after that and that was fair, a man. double double overtime thriller there so that 24 36 hours however long it was was just absolutely incredible um and i'm still i feel like emotionally and mentally recovering from that but no stoked to be on stoked to go over this past weekend Probably the greatest weekend in football history. Who yeah. knows? Um, and I'm excited to look forward to uh, to what's to come this weekend as well. Oh, yeah, man. Hell yeah. I can't believe you went to both of those games. Like, I threw on the Kansas game, and I was like, <laughs> dude, Tyler is at this one, too. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous, man. Your luck's insane. But, Jaden, welcome. We were talking about it on last week, like how you had work over the weekend. What a terrible time to have work. Like, that you couldn't have had a worse timing, you know? football team versus Giants week 18 was as good as it gets. I agree, man. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, man. Those quarterback sneaks uh, on, on your own goal line. That was I mean, we're still whew, talking about good it, football. Right? <laughs> we are. Hey, I don't know. You might be, might be onto something there. That's the truth. That's the truth. But um, on Sunday, I mentioned I was going to that fraternity uh, meeting thing. And there was this like huge woman walking around, making sure that dudes were not watching the game. And eventually she had to give up. She went over, she went up to the, like, the dude in front of the whole thing or in charge of the whole thing. And she was like, um, all of these boys are watching the football game. And he was like, I know it's playoffs. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man, of course, like cut us some slack. But anyway, it's like the same, like, like when you're in class or if you're at work and March oh, yeah. Madness is going on or the masters and you're just like, yeah, I'm putting this on my other screen and going to minimize that when somebody comes yeah, around. No. Yeah. It's the same. Well, with March Madness. I mean, it's all, I don't give a fuck who sees me watching the game. Like I will not stop watching that. Yeah. Game, so hundred percent, but yeah, definitely had some March Madness vibes this weekend with the uh, crazy action we had going on. So let's go ahead and to dive in to the recap of probably the best weekend in football that I've seen in my lifetime and a lot of other people have seen in their lifetime. So let's dive into it. All right. So divisional round recap. And we start with the Bengals and the Titans. And just like all the other games, it ended with a game-winning play. So Evan McPherson... Fifth round rookie out of Florida nails the 52 yard field goal as time expires to win the game for the Hude crew. And um, it's funny because Joe Burrow in the post game presser said that right before uh, the game winning kick was kicked, he was doing his warm ups. McPherson was like kicking into the little thing. 
And then he walks away and he tells Brandon Allen, the backup quarterback, he's like, well, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship. And goes out there and nails it. And he even looked away from the kick before it officially went in. He knew it was money. So, love to see that. And I didn't make, we were talking about it in the chat over the weekend. I didn't make the connection that Evan McPherson was the same kicker who was uh, putting it, putting the ball and like spinning Gatorade caps off of, um, that was insane. Like, I remember watching that like two or three years ago. And I didn't make the connection until now. So, yeah, still balling. Evan McPherson is doing it, doing the damn thing. I think we'll see a lot of teams draft kickers this year, honestly, with the success that McPherson showed. So, but we'll see. We'll see. All right. Let's dive into the main storylines from this one. And Joey Burrow overcomes a playoff record nine sacks to lead the Bengals to a dub. Uh, Burrow in this game, he went 28 for 37, 348 yards and an interception. Uh, Jamar Chase, his boy, his A1, went five catches, 109 yards. I didn't think Jamar Chase was going to have that huge of a game. I was talking about it uh, last week, but a lot of that was big play. Uh, He did end up going to T. Higgins pretty heavy in this game. Uh, seven catches, 96 yards, and with that performance, after overcoming a nine-sack game where his offensive line offered no support whatsoever, can we call Joseph Burrow a top three quarterback in the league right now? Because you think about it, Allen Mahomes, uh, no question about it, are one and two. And considering the uncertainty we got with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady right now, whether or not they're going to return to football next year, I think Joe Burrow definitely puts himself into that conversation. So you're saying that if you're saying that if Brady and Rodgers don't play right. next year, that's the hypothetical that right. we're throwing exactly. out. All right. So, Jaden, you're still putting Justin Herbert over Joe Burrow right now. That's very interesting. I don't know if. I don't think Justin Herbert couldn't overcome the Raiders. Joe Burrow could overcome nine sacks in a playoff game, you know? Tyler, what are your thoughts? I mean, I said that if Joe Burrow makes the Super Bowl, he's a top five quarterback in the league. So I think he's right there. If you're taking Brady and uh, and Rodgers out of the conversation, yeah, I'm, I'm taking Burrow over Herbert. I've been saying it for a month if not more that i would i would take him i think that the whole uh, the whole comment by evan mcpherson i think that's a little bit of the confidence that joe burrow gives into the rest of his teammates as well he's got that swagger and that moxie that i just love and you saw it you know the titans got that i mean the 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 bengals got that turnover right at midfield and joe burrow came right in and he knew exactly what he was going to do and he delivered an absolute perfect ball to jamar chase on the sideline to set them up in the goal range so that's you know, that's just one example that I can give. But one of the questions that I have about Burrow, and I, I want you guys to to chime in on this, is he going to have the career trajectory of a Patrick Mahomes? You know, this is a guy that makes the the championship game in his second, third year, whatever it might be. I know he's in his second. But I've got a comparison between Mahomes. Is he going to have that trajectory? Or is he going to have a Blake Bortles-type trajectory where his career kind of just fizzles out? Because Blake Bortles made a championship, AFC championship in his second or third year, and then the rest of his career just kind of slowly but surely went down. Whereas Mahomes made a championship in his second year, and you saw what the trajectory of his career is. So 
I just wanted to see which one do you think he'll be closer related to when it's all said and done? Hmm. I don't know, Blake. I mean, when Bortles went, Bortles was, like, the reason that they were not, like, in the Super Bowl. Like, Burrow is the reason why they're there. Whereas Bortles kind of got carried there by the Jags defense and Fournette and all that. He still, they still put up 45 points in the AFC Divisional game. Well, I mean. I'm just – I, I, I wanted to bring this question uh, uh, at the forefront. I wanted to see what you guys would have to say. I, I would say that he's going to be closer to Mahomes, but I don't think he'll be in that level. Um, but I think that he's going to be closer to Mahomes than Bortles. So I think he'll have a, a great career. Um, but, yeah, I just – I thought it was an interesting question because I was like, wow, this is, you know, the, the third time in the last four, five, six years that a quarterback's done that. So I just – I thought it was really cool to see, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, – I, I love everything that I'm seeing from Burrow. I if you take those two quarterbacks out, yeah, I'm going to put them at, at probably three, and that's that's just how I feel, and and I'm not going to waver from that. I I love the guy, and I love the weapons that he's got as well. And they're all on you know outside of uh, Tyler Boyd. I'm pretty sure they're all Tyler Boyd might be on a rookie contract as well. But I know the other Jamar Chase, T Higgins, and Burrow are all on rookie contracts, so they they'll, they'll be able to hold those guys for at least the next at least a foreseeable future, you know, next two three years. Yeah, I was thinking about that over the weekend. Like, they aren't going to be able to hold on to those guys, and we've seen that, obviously, throughout the history of the league recently, where you can't hold on to three dominant receivers on the same offense. But it'll be interesting to see what guys they decide to keep around. I mean, I'm assuming it'll be Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, but it'll be interesting to see how that offense shapes up over the next couple of years. But Where do you have him, Ray Kane? Yeah, I've got him at number three, man. Uh... This char- it's Joe Burrow can will his team to wins, and it seems recently this year Justin Herbert can't do that. He cannot will his team to success. I feel like almost a hundred percent of the Cincinnati Bengals' success can be put on Joe Burrow this year. So yeah, I'm taking him over Herbert. Uh, have you watched either game? Have you watched either team's games at all this year? Did you not see the end of the Raiders game in the regular? Like, did you not? Like, literally everything ran through Justin Herbert. Everything. They don't have a run game because Eckler doesn't run the ball, so everything that Eckler does is done through Herbert. Everything that their offense does is obviously done through Herbert. Their defense Justin gets scorched, Herbert so whenever... had a much better chance to win that game by himself because he wasn't sacked nine times. I don't think Justin Herbert gets sacked nine times in a game. Yeah, Joe Burrow was sacked nine times because, look, I know the offensive line is bad, but you, I mean, Tyler, who's been Burrow's biggest supporter out of us four, even said, like, you know, there's a lot of times, you know, you should probably throw that away. For sure. And Joe Burrow was gifted three possessions. I'm pretty sure all of them were inside of the Titans 50, and they only scored 19 points. That's it. What, like, like three out of the nine sacks he should have thrown it away? Like, it, that's a hell of a criticism to throw on somebody. Like, the sample size we have of sacks, no, and it's but, like, oh, should have thrown the ball away here. Like, he shouldn't have been sacked nine times, period. Correct, correct. But you, when you're in that situation, like, I don't know how you can say that Justin Herbert's, like, getting carried by his team or whatever, and Joe Burrow, it, like, they got three turnovers in that game. They got the ball handed to them three times. I'm pretty sure at least one was inside the 50. They got three points out of that. I think much more of what Joe Joe Burrow's doing is predicated off the playmakers he's given. I mean, you get 
I mean, arguably the best playmaking group around him outside of Tampa Bay. I mean, you get Jamar Chase. That's his guy. T. Higgins, supremely talented. Joe Mixon showed multiple times that he can be a top five guy in the league. And Uzuma is actually having a great year. Like, I'm – I just – I don't know how you can still say got, that about Herbert. Herbert's also got Eckler, Williams, and Allen. I mean, I know, <laughs> not to say that not he doesn't have it. weapons. Yeah, yeah, but I think a lot more of what Herbert does is like this. This is willing your team to win, whereas Burrow is just playing within the game and playing within the game plan. I never watch Joe Burrow and say, "Wow, that's impressive." Ever, I've what? never looked at. I've never like maybe oh, maybe in college. In college, maybe watching Justin Herbert is like. This is a spectacle. This this is an alien. He is an alien. And I watched Joe Burrow and I'm just like, yeah, he's great. He's great. I think I think, a, I think a lot of it is, in my opinion, Joe Burrow steps on that field and he thinks and he knows I'm the best player. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't know if I get that same energy from Herbert. And I, that's why I still hold on to this little bit of doubt with Herbert. Because I don't see – and I know Mitch is going to bitch about this. But in my opinion, I don't see that from Herbert. I don't – and I keep going back to the emotion and, and the swagger, and I don't see the same thing from Herbert. And some of that's just confidence, you know, and, and maybe that'll come with Herbert. I think both guys have got a lot of area to grow. We talk about Burrow holding on to the ball, and that's something that will be corrected over time. But I also think with Herbert, he'll eventually come into that, that he'll, he'll gain that confidence the more and more they go on. You know, if they had made the playoffs, this might have been the run for Herbert. Who knows? Um, but as it stands right now, I'm taking Burrow. You know, game on the line. I want Burrow as my quarterback instead of Herbert. I'll I'll put it to you like Amen. that. Amen. I think I'm buy, I'm like I wasn't buying into the Joe Burrow being super clutch over Justin Herbert before, but now, yeah, I don't think Justin Herbert has the same kind of dog mentality that Joe Burrow has. You know. And I know we'll get into this game, uh, the, you know, between them and the Chiefs in, in a little while, but I think that if he can. He doesn't necessarily even have to win this game, in my opinion. He's just got to keep it close, and his reputation in the league is just going to skyrocket. As long as they don't get, you know, 31 to 10 or something like that, just get the brakes blown off of him, I think that he's still going to be highly regarded as as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, me too. Yeah, we got a comment here. Burrow's so good, he makes all the hard things look easy or managing the game. It's the same thing that Bra- it makes Brady great. It's mastery, not physical domination. That's totally the case, you know. We've saw, we've seen athletic freaks come into this league and fizzle out. Look at Cam Newton. I mean, I, he did win an MVP and he did make a Super Bowl, but it's very, very different. Out. Well, I'm talking like athletically gifted quarterback. Yeah, but Justin Herbert is different, different physically gifted, so he's not going to fizzle out in that way, like. Cam Newton fizzled out because he was never accurate and he just got hit over and over and over again. And that's why he fizzled out. Herbert, I mean, you know, you, he plays you, like a normal quarterback. You can look at it like this. People are now talking about Allen versus Mahomes as the new Brady versus Manning. Well, Herbert Burrow might be the new Brady Manning as well. You know, who, the, those four quarterbacks in the same conference is just wild to me. I mean, the AFC is just loaded with talent, young talent at quarterback compared to the NFC. So it, it's just one of those things that, as it is right now, I'm taking Burrow. Do I think it might change? Maybe, but I'm not. I'm not wavering from that. I'm sticking. I'm sticking with Burrow. Amen. Amen. All right. We talked more than enough about Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert over these past few weeks. Like it's not. It's too much talk, honestly. Well, we're always going to talk about it. 
I mean, they got drafted in the same class together, and, you know, sorry, Tua, but these are easily the two best quarterbacks, and they're showcasing it, and it's going to be a conversation for the rest of their career. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's dive into some of the other players in this game. On the other side of the ball, you had Tennessee, and phew, what a game <laughs> in the bad way. Uh, Ryan Tannehill throws three interceptions in this one's in this one. Uh, all of them clearly boneheaded plays. And King Henry, Derrick Henry, like I said, God forbid the man doesn't go for thirty carries and one hundred and fifty yards. And it falls down to Ryan Tannehill. That's exactly what it came down to. And the man threw three interceptions. So, yeah. Ryan Tannehill in this game, 15 for 24, 220 yards, a touchdown, and three interceptions. But something interesting I want to talk about with you guys. Um, he is set to make 27 mil next year, which is obviously a shit ton of cash. Um, but do you guys see him potentially being released before next season? Because, hear me out, the expiring contracts after next season when Ryan Tannehill will be gone, Julio, Derrick Henry, Jeffrey Simmons, A.J. Brown, Taylor Lewan. I mean, that's your core right there. All of those are expiring contracts, and a lot of those guys might be headed out of town. So, do you guys see Tennessee sticking it out one more year with Ryan Tannehill, and it had might potentially be the end of the Tennessee core that we're seeing here. So do you think Ryan Tannehill is the quarterback, uh, quarterback of the team next year or not? Jaden, I'll ask you first, man. I think he is because the way that you've constructed this team, you've kind of just got to run it back and hope for a better result. I mean, you maybe if you don't have a first round buy, I know it's kind of weird to say you don't want that, but this team very clearly needed a tune-up game. I mean, they – Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones played like a combined 200 snaps together all season. So they needed way more time. They needed a tune-up game against a seven seed. Probably would have been better off getting that two seed to come out and, you know, work together for the first time and God knows how long. But just the way that this team's constructed, I don't see any way that you could go out and get another guy that's better than Tannehill for a similar amount of money. Okay. Tyler, what you got? I mean, I don't know if – having the two seed would have benefited them because Henry might have not played. Um, I don't know if he was going to be healthy enough to, to come back for that game. I mean, we presume that he would, but like, I mean, we saw how rusty he was in this game. Yeah. yeah. That's what I mean. I mean, we, and that was after that extra week of rest. So I can't necessarily assume that. I mean, I do agree that, you know, they didn't have the chemistry and it was just tough to just jump right back into that form. Um, I, I agree with Jaden. I don't think he goes because we're seeing it amongst other quarterbacks in the NFL. Who do you go out and get that's going to replace him? That's going to be that much better. You know, do you swing for the fences and hope to get Rodgers? Um, I, I I don't know. You know, I, I just don't know if there's a quarterback out there that is going to come in for Tannehill and you're going to be able to get what you get out of Tannehill right now. Now, I know, you know, we've determined he's not that guy. He's not going to take this team to the Super Bowl, but what guy can? And that's a big question mark. If you release him, what do you go out and get? Do you draft somebody? Do you sign somebody? So even though I don't think he's that guy, and even though I don't think that they're going to make the Super Bowl, I don't know what other direction they go. Like Jaden said, they've kind of formed their team around this group, and I can't see them just going away from that um, after one performance. What's the Titans' um, draft pick situation? Uh, I think they've got I all know. their picks. They should anyway. Yeah, so given that, 
wouldn't you give up a couple of first rounders for a quarterback that can play now? Maybe potentially like a Derek Carr, a uh, much better improvement over. Yeah, but Tannehill. then I'd you. Argue, yeah, I know he's probably not going to get a couple of first round picks. I get that. Yeah, but, but why would you even do that? Like, how much how much better is Derek Carr than Ryan Tannehill? Like, is it that noticeable of a difference to go get him? Uh, yeah. For a first round pick, it's not. It's really not. They like, don't have their second round Tannen- pick. Because yeah, Tana, of and the Tana Tana been there just for a while. three interceptions against the Bengals secondary, and we're saying that that guy is very close aligned with Derek Carr. No, but I don't think not. it's worth. I don't think it's worth. Yeah, it's not to worth give a first round pick to get Derek. Maybe Carr. like Tannehill and like a pick, but I mean that doesn't make sense for either team. Well, let me ask you this. It's easy to say it's not worth it, but look, they got all those expiring contracts, man. You got one year left. Yeah, but players don't just leave like that. You're not going to lose A.J. Brown, Derek, like they just don't walk. Like you get more money for staying. The other thing is they're in in an extremely tough situation because of something I touched on earlier. All these other quarterbacks, all these young quarterbacks in the AFC that they have to compete with, they can't. They, I mean, if they went up against, I know that they beat the Chiefs and Bills both in the regular season, but if they went up against those teams in the playoffs, I can't see them winning. I can't see the Titans winning that game. Obviously, they didn't beat the Chargers. I mean, would they beat the? I mean, I mean, the Bengals would they have beaten the Chargers? I don't know. And that's a, that's a, you know, there's just so many good young quarterbacks in the AFC right now that they are stuck between a rock and a hard place as far as what they do with Tannehill. Yeah, no, that's very true. That's very true. All right, let's dive into the rest of uh, this game here. And like I said, Derrick Henry, ineffective. 20 carries, 62 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, His longest run of the day, nine yards. And it's interesting, you know, this man's getting up there. He's got a giant steel plate in his foot, which I emphasized very clearly last podcast. And he's going to be 29 years old next year. So not exactly a spry running back nowadays. Um, but let's dive into some of the sacks because they did set a playoff record nine sacks, and that would have been the story of the game had they won. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, their guy, three sacks. Harold Landry, one and a half sacks. Denico Altry, one and a half sacks. Bud Dupree, a sack. Um, those are those. That's clearly not nine sacks, and that's not even everybody. So crazy. But Jane, you alluded to it a little bit before, but. Do you feel that the Bengals won this game or the Titans more lost this game? Who do you give more credit to for the Bengals win? Uh, I'm definitely taking it as a Titans loss. I think, like I said, I think they needed a tune-up game. Like, I know you said Henry might not have been there, but, like, just to, just to get A.J. Brown and Julio back in, because I know Julio hasn't – I mean, he's played, what, two games down the stretch? He played – the last two games of the regular season, like they just needed a little bit more time. And you could clearly see that by the way they came out. I mean, when Tannehill comes out, throws three picks, give the ball up three times, at least one, if not all were like in good field position for Cincinnati. And they still kept it close for the majority of the game because the defense played so well, but the offense just wasn't there. So I think Tennessee lost it more than Cincinnati won it. Fair. Tyler. I mean, A.J. Brown had five for 142 and a touch, and Julio had six for 62, basically what Julio's been doing with the Titans all year round. So I think that as much as I want to say the Titans lost, I mean, I'm going to give credit to the Bengals. They went on the road. They did what they needed to do. They got out to uh, a 10-point lead, and they were able to hold on. I know that they might have benefited from the interception late, but at the same time, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. They overcame the the nine sacks and were still able to win. Um, And some of that is – 
credit to, you know, the defense getting the picks on Tannehill, but some of that's also, you know, Drew Burrow stepping up and making throws when he needed to. And I know that the nine sacks is there, and I don't understand how you lose a game getting nine sacks. Also, I think it was six or seven of those sacks were in Tennessee territory that knocked either knocked them out of field goal range or forced them to punt. It could have been a fourth and short. So just a lot of plays that should have went the way of the, the Titans and the Titans should have won, but the Bengals did what they needed to do and the Bengals came out victorious. So I'm going to give credit where credit's due and, and give the nod to the Bengals there. Yeah, I'm going to give the nod to the Bengals as well. Uh, Joe Burrow, despite, I mean, I've been talking about it all. He got it to his weapons. Uh, both of his prime receiving targets got more than 90 yards. Uh, Jamar Chase had over 100 uh, you had Joe Mixon doing his thing, and you had the defense stepping up, forcing three interceptions. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to give credit where credit's due and give Cincinnati the win instead of a Titans loss. Obviously, you got to blame the Titans for a lot of this, but, yeah, I'm going to give the credit where credit's due and give it to the Bengals. But, anyway. All right. <clears throat> we spent a decent amount of time on Bengals-Titans, but let's dive into some of the more pressing games from this past weekend you know and obviously all of them had spectacular finishes and this one was not against the trend here so 49ers Packers final score in this one it was a low scoring it was in the snow it was at Lambeau final score 13 to 10 and the main story from this one is the San Francisco 49ers special teams coming through in the snow in the frozen tundra uh, they blocked a field goal at the end of the first half, which left three points off the board, which, looking at the final score here, would have left them tied and taken them to overtime. And then they blocked a punt for a touchdown with a minute 30 remaining, and that was the only touchdown scored for the 49ers on the day. So, And I don't give a lot of credit to Troy Aikman and uh, Joe Buck. I'm definitely more of a um, Romo and Nance guy now, but... I will say, they did say it was going to come down to special teams, and it did. But the main story from this one is Aaron Rodgers failing to step up in his potential final game at Lambeau Field. So Aaron Rodgers in this one went 20 for 29 and 225 yards. Uh, Aaron Jones went nine catches on 10 targets, 129 yards. And his main boy, Devontae Adams, went nine catches on 11 targets and 90 yards. And the rest of the team combined for two catches and only six targets. That's insane. And to win a game, you need to get the ball to some of your other playmakers. I mean, that's just my opinion. But, guys, what does this loss mean for Aaron Rodgers' legacy, man? Especially... He's possibly facing retirement. Um, it's looking like it's going to be his last time in a Green Bay Packers uniform. So, if you look at the legacy so far, I mean... So, 49ers, obviously, he was pissed that they didn't draft him. And he's 0-3 versus the 49ers in the postseason. Um, they were so, Oh, yeah, 0-4. Yeah, correct. And they've been showing... They showed the clip all week, like, oh... They're going to regret not drafting me. And so far, they have not. Um, they also, and this is a stat via Big Cat that I got the other day, uh, they lead the league in home playoff losses over the past two decades with seven, which Aaron Rodgers was hyping up, you know, oh, it's going to be a different story when they have to come to Lambeau in the cold weather. And apparently it doesn't fucking matter, man. 
because you lead the league in home playoff losses over the past two decades. That's pretty wild. And Aaron Rodgers by himself has lost four conference championship games since 2010. So obviously the clutch factor comes into question when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. But Tyler, I'll start with you because I know this man has haunted you for many years as a Vikings fan. What do you think Aaron Rodgers' legacy right now? Where is it sitting? I mean, is he going to go to the Hall of Fame? Yeah, but he's not ever going to be in that. You, you can never compare him to Brady, um, or in my opinion. And if Mahomes wins one this year, he's he's eclipsed him. I think Manning's eclipsed him. Um, so, I mean, he's going to go down as a great quarterback, but really and truly without that one Super Bowl, he's, in my opinion, just a glorified Matt Stafford. That's all he really and truly is. Um, I personally hope that he does move on from the Packers. I know that they said that they've kind of – rekindled uh restructured their relationship his relationship with the front office um but maybe it wasn't just mike mccarthy you know maybe maybe it is aaron Rodgers, like you said just not having that clutch factor i think that's wild though that they lead the league in home playoff losses over the last two decades because everybody talks about lambo 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 it's so good for home field but is it i mean Mm -hmm. some of that is due to the fact that they have been in so many home playoff games um, that they have the most losses, but at the same time, I mean, they have had some really terrible losses right on the brink of, of making a Super Bowl. whether it's, um, you know, when they lost to, I know Favre was there, but they lost to the Giants that one year. They lost to the Bucks last year, obviously the 49ers this year. It, it definitely hurts his legacy. Um, now, if he goes on and wins a Super Bowl for another team, you know, will that help him? Absolutely. But as of right now, I mean, he's, I don't want to say he's known as a choke artist, but the statistics might prove it otherwise. So, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think, like I said, Hall of Famer, but nothing more. Gotcha. Jaden, what do you think of Aaron Rodgers' legacy, where it's sitting right now? I mean, I'd love to come in here and defend, you know, and bring up the last nine, ten years and every one of their playoff losses and what happened and how many points the defense allowed. But I'd love to come in here and, you know, talk about the special teams and how they allowed all 13 of – san francisco's points whether it be through you know deep kick returns or obviously the punt block but aaron Rodgers did not play a good game on sunday or saturday just you know it wasn't good football he didn't play very well that was probably his worst playoff game and like that was the whole verdict throughout the entire offseason and coming into the season was oh well all the playoff losses aren't his fault and you'd love for him to come in and you know kind of prove everybody wrong this year and you go out like that in the first game and that's really disheartening to somebody who you know i'm pretty big Rogers defender. Like I've came in here and done it multiple times and I don't really have a whole lot. Like, you know, 13 points. Like I can, you can blame the special teams all you want. You scored 10 points. So like, Especially I kind of can't open up how you were. So I can't defend it. Cold and how you were faster than other players in the cold because everybody else is not used to it. He came out and said that he was like, yeah, I feel quicker than most players in the cold. You know, I definitely have an advantage and to drop this dud. And I mean, you can tell the story like six targets and two catches by anybody outside of his running back. And Devontae Adams. Like, you need to spread the ball around, man. Like, Alan Lazard, he's not the best of number two receiving options, but he needs to touch it, man. Like, especially in that Lions game, he looked awesome. And that was the last time we saw him before this game. So, you got to get other people involved, man. I don't understand. But, anyway, Aaron Rodgers, yeah. I think they, I think he had, like, what, 50 yards in the second half or, or something like that. And zero points, obviously. It's, 
just mind-boggling that it's crazy that your defense would give up six points and you'd lose with Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field. That's just mind-boggling to me. No, it falls. It falls 100% on Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he had a chance. After the uh, the blocked punt touchdown, he had Got the ball back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a tie game. Right. With You weren't time. losing. With time. Like a minute 30. He should have... I mean, that's a choke artist right there. That's exactly what that is. So, but... All right. Well, with that last game in Lambeau, potentially, we are now looking at the future for Aaron Rodgers and his best bud, Devontae Adams. So, in the post-game presser, Aaron Rodgers was asked, obviously, um, about his future. And specifically, he was asked if it was still possible for him to win a Super Bowl with the Packers. And he was like, you know, that's a really good question. And he said, and I quote, there are a lot of decisions to be made. Key players, a lot of guys, a lot of guys who played tonight, so many guys whose contracts are up or on the brink or salary cap stuff. So a lot of decisions to be made. I don't want to be a part of a rebuild if I'm going to keep playing. So a lot of decisions in the next couple of months. And then he made an appearance on the Pat McAfee show the next day. And obviously asked him about his future. And he was like, I felt like I would have known what the right thing to do was when the clock hit zeros in the Super Bowl, not in the divisional round in a game we felt like we were going to win. And he also said, I feel like I'm at the place with the Packers, you know, in a really good place, especially with Brian, their GM. And the way our friendship and trust has grown, where it'd be a simple conversation and whatever comes out of that conversation is moving forward. So... I want to ask you boys, would you give the chances of Aaron Rodgers staying, retiring, or leaving? LaFleur and Packers are unified in wanting Rodgers back. Um, LaFleur said there are no plans for a rebuild right now, but there's plenty of speculation about where he's going to land. So what do you place the chances on each of those possibilities? Jaden, I'll start with you. I'd give it. I, I don't think he's going back to Green Bay, probably like 15, 20. Like, I just, I don't see it happening. But I don't really see him retiring either. Like, I know that that's like the popular one. I Everyone seems to think, oh, if he's not going back to Green Bay, then, you know, he's probably just going to call it quits. I'd probably give that like a 30% chance, and i give it like a 50% chance he goes elsewhere. I think he's got a lot of good football left in him, and when we saw that this year, he's probably going to win another MVP. And, like... I know Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the emotion or the competitive fire that Tom Brady has, but I don't think he's going to go out on, you know, a loss in the first game of the playoffs. Yeah. This does not sound like a guy who's going to retire in my opinion. Yeah. I would give it, I don't know. I think there's a 60% chance that he leaves a uh, 35% chance that he stays and 5% chance that he retires. Uh, Tyler, what you got? Yeah, I would. I, I like the five percent. I don't think. I don't think he retires. If he does, he'll come back in a year, at most. I think, um, just so he can get away from the Packers. Um, I would say five percent. He retires. I would say. Ah, uh, see, I want to say like, I, I think it's a total toss up. I think it's forty five percent. He comes back, and fifty percent he leaves. Um, so I think it's a total toss up as of right now. Because I don't think the Packers and LaFour said it, I don't think there's any chance that they rebuild. And he blatantly came out and said, I don't want to be a part of a rebuild. So if him and the Packers are on the same page with that, then he probably ends up coming back. But at the same time, 
if he's still having riffraff with their front office, then that's where I see him leaving. So um, if he does leave, I don't, I think there's probably five or six teams that'll go to. Um, but I, I think it's, like I said, I think it's a total toss up right now, whether or not he returns or, or leaves. Two yeah, things. I, okay, go ahead. Real, just real quick. Uh, first, he did say on the same episode of the McAfee show, he said, I don't, I mean, couldn't really tell if he was joking or what, but he did say that like whenever he comes to his decision, he might come and announce it on the Pat McAfee show. And while I did say I don't think he's going to retire, I can't imagine that he announces like LeBron style, I'm going to the Broncos on the Pat McAfee show. I think if he's going to go do it on the Pat McAfee show, I think he's probably going to retire, to be totally honest with you. You don't think he'd go to the Colts? If if he does, well, wherever team he goes, I don't think he would announce it on the Pat McAfee show. I think if he was going to say it there, I think he'd say he would retire. And another thing. Or or say he's going to go to the Colts. Or say he's going to go to the Colts. I would not leave it. I would expect Aaron Rodgers to go on there and do like something like LeBron. Like that's totally something Aaron Rodgers would do. I agree. I, I, I agree also, with I agree that it's one of two things if he goes on there and announces it. It's he retires or he gets going to Indy and Pat McAfee. Really sold on yeah. the Colts. Well, I'm just saying, like, do they need a quarterback? Yes. It would be they would have to do a shit ton of uh restructuring with within their cap, but uh it, it if he's going to tell Pat McAfee he's going elsewhere, it's going to be Indy because it's where Pat McAfee is. He's like, oh, yeah, I can come in here and do the show in person every week now or something like that. Yeah, that would be wild. I suppose. But one thing, like I know the Packers say that they don't want to rebuild, but they're $34 million over the cap right now. Like Zadarius Smith, as great as a player as he may be, might be one of the most obvious cuts going into this offseason just because he's making too much money. Like, Rodgers, technically, he counts into that cap number because this year's a void year, so that that money is still on their books. But Devontae Adams does not have money there. So they're going to have to move $60 million in cap, something like that, 50, 55, 60, to get Devontae Adams in there and to keep Rodgers. Like, they're going to have to do some serious cap working around and that sounds like a rebuild with all the good players that you have like you're going to be letting go of as a Darius Smith probably a Preston Smith as well you might have to make some tough decisions about like David Bakhtiari or something like that because I imagine he's on a big deal he's way past his rookie deal like there's going to be a lot of changes in Green Bay regardless of whether Aaron Rodgers likes it or not <clears throat> something I want to throw out from uh, Jordan Schultz on Twitter uh, he said and I quote from sources Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams would love to team up with the Broncos. And, dude, I think that's the most logical hands-down place he goes. I think it's a 50% chance that he goes to Denver. But once again, he goes to Denver. He's in the same division, not even conference, division as Mahomes and Herbert. I just, I, if if I were Aaron Rodgers, I would not go to the AFC. Point blank period. I would go to if you're going to go to another team. It, in my opinion, it's got to be in the NFC. Now, I know I said like the Vikings or something like that. Oh, I'd be down with that. <laughs> a little, little Brett Favre 2.0. Oh, yeah, I'm, there you I'm go. Down with that. Yeah, I mean, let us to an NFC championship. I'm sure Rodgers would and lose as well. But hey, you know, at least we would get there. Think about it though. You've got that. Yeah, you know, we will talk about the Bucks in a second because that's been floating around a little bit. But um, you think about it in Denver, dude. They've already locked up that wide receiver core. And you've got Cortland Sutton, you've got Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, Devontae Adams, Noah Fant. Then That's you've got Devontae thing. Williams in the backfield, solid O-line. You've got a Super Bowl-level defense. D. And 
you've also got a class of an organization, you know? Like, he's not going to want to play for some shit show. Um, he's going to want to go. It wouldn't make a lot of The question of sense is, though, are the Broncos a class of an organization, though? I mean, since Peyton Manning, they've brought in what? Paxton Lynch, Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater, no, Drew Locke. Saying, like, I'm not saying. Really. I'm not saying, like, organizationally, like, roster-wise. I'm saying, like, organizationally, well, like, respected. Like, he's not going to want to go I guess. Play, like, like, somewhere. Like, I, I will say, we, though, if he's he trying just, to team up with Devontae Adams, going to a team Packers. that just re-signed, yeah, but going to a team that just re-signed three receivers doesn't make all – I mean, they just gave Cortland Sutton, like, $17 million a year, just gave Tim Patrick a nice deal. Jerry Judy's going to eventually need Rocky. to be paid. <laughs> Yeah, but not in preparation for Devonte Adams. Right, and that that's one of the comments that we got is how does Adams fit into that Denver receiving room? And and I totally agree with that. That's a huge question mark because Judy and Cortland Sutton, I feel like both play on the outside where Devonte plays, whereas Tim Patrick plays more of a slot. So you're not gonna. I mean, Devonte Adams would just, I guess, overstep Cortland Sutton and Judy, and then those two would be fighting it out for that second receiver because they've already they have Judy on a rookie deal and they've got Cortland Sutton, so they've got those two guys for the foreseeable future. I, I agree with the whole Bucks if Brady retires, and I know we wanted to hop into that, but I figured we'd segue into it now. If Brady does retire, Godwin, I'm pretty sure, is a free agent. So that's money that's going to be freed up. Why can't the Bucks go out and get Devontae Adams and Rodgers? See, Aaron Rodgers the only thing like me as the kind of fellow who's going to follow in the footsteps of Tom Brady. And That was what I was going to say. He's, like, he's got too big of an ego. He's not going to go right. where Tom Brady just was. Well, and he'll always be comp- – if he doesn't win, he's always going to be second fiddle to Brady. Like, there's so much pressure on him if he does go to Tampa to win and not just to to get to the NFC Championship. I mean, win this – you have to win the Super Bowl or to fail of a, of, a, of a decision to go to Tampa Bay. Yeah, and not to mention, like, that Bucks team probably – I mean, they proved it on Sunday. They can't – who knows if they'll win another Super Bowl with this team. I mean, that defense – Look, and we'll get into that, but I don't think this Bucks team is built for a Super Bowl anymore. I think that defense is washed. Uh, they don't know how to communicate. Well, communication was more uh, the Rams game exclusively, but it's an old defense. Uh, no more Gronk, potentially. Well, if Brady retires, definitely no Gronk. Uh, Godwin on a contract year. Basically, all you've got is Mike Evans and a really good offensive line. Don't get me wrong, but... Yeah, I don't know. Jaden, what are you thinking about the Bucks? I mean, I'm kind of with you guys. Like, I don't think that he would follow with Brady. And I think that Bucks team is going to look a little bit different. Like, I know that Godwin's going to free up money, but then you've got to look into uh, Murphy Bunting, Carlton Davis, and Jamel Dean all hitting free agency in the next two years. Uh, Antoine Winfield I, as well, I believe, in three, two, two, three years. I mean, I'm looking really far down the road here, but You've got a lot of veterans, JPP, Dominic and Sue. Tristan Wirfs now struggling with an injury. Gronk's probably not going to be there if Brady isn't there. And AB's gone now. So if Goblin's gone, AB's gone, you're looking at Mike Evans and OJ Howard versus the plethora of weapons that he had before. And that was like the appeal to go to Tampa Bay was all the things you've got around you. Now you don't have that. So I don't – plus the, you know – times a million pressure that you're going to get going to the team that Tom Brady just left and just won a Super Bowl with the year before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got a comment that said, it, yeah. yeah, if he it could go to the Colts, if they move on from Wentz. I mean, I do think that 
maybe not next year, but the year after, I mean, that division is going to be absolutely awful. Um, and, and I think that, you know, the Colts, if they were to bring him in, I mean, that's almost a guaranteed playoff berth um, for them. But once again, you're still in that same conference with all those young quarterbacks. And I haven't, we haven't even mentioned Lamar, who's going to be coming back next year. I mean, there's so many good young quarterbacks in the AFC. It's just, in my opinion, it's just so difficult to, to go to the Super Bowl from the AFC compared to the NFC. I feel like there's more of a, a, a there's a better shot to reach the Super Bowl in the NFC next year and the year after that compared to the AFC. Yeah, for sure. And, I, and, uh, and, that, and that has to factor into his decision because he's not going to just keep going for playoff berths and playoff, I mean, knock on wood, playoff wins for him. I mean, he wants to get to the Super Bowl. He's, he's got to. And in order for, you know, we talk about his legacy. In order for his legacy to improve, he's got to not only get to a Super Bowl, but in my opinion, he's got to win one. He's only been to one. That's what I'm saying. Like, God forbid he didn't get that one Super Bowl win. Like, we'd be talking about Aaron Rodgers in a totally different light, you know. But, yep. yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Aaron Rodgers does. He did say that he wasn't going to take super long with his decision. Uh, he was going to have it in quick, and he said this a while ago, but – like he said, he didn't expect to lose in the divisional round, so maybe it takes a little longer. But I expect a decision from Aaron Rodgers before Tom Brady, which we can dive into right now with the recap of the Rams and Bucks game, which we thought was going to be the game of the week. Uh, and it was a hell of a game at that. Uh, final score in this one, Rams 30, Bucks fall short at 27. The Brady comeback falls short as the Rams move on to the NFC Championship. The Bucks scored 24 unanswered points in the second half on the back of Tom Brady to tie the game at 27-27. And then you thought, you know, it's looking like it's going to go to overtime. But Matt Stafford hits Cooper Cup on a 44-yard bomb with 27 seconds left. And then they spike the ball. And then they kick the 30-yard field goal to win it. So... Definitely. Would they call that the love of the gameplay? I think that's what they were calling it. I think I. I just. I, what... I can't believe that the Bucks. I mean, I, I've got some friends that are all Jets fans, and they even said it. They're like, "Gotta love a Todd Bowles defense," because I have no idea what what that defensive play call was, um, as far as being that little bit of time left, and you're just gonna let Cooper Cup go down the middle of the field one on one with your safety. I mean, come on, that's that's just awful, awful defensive uh, assignment. But um. I'm I'm happy as hell for Matt Stafford, man. This guy's gone through sh- everything that you can go through in this league, especially being with the Lions for so many years, and to finally get over that hurdle and get not only a win last week against the Cardinals, but then go into Tampa, beat Brady and the Bucks. I know they almost blew it, but nonetheless, still got the win. Just big kudos to Matt Stafford, um, and, and I'm happy as hell for the guy. So that that's. You know, more than anything, that's what I got to say about it. I will say this. We were at the uh, – we, we got into the Chiefs game, and they were showing the end of this game. And as soon as that Cooper Cup bomb was – as soon as they connected on that bomb, the entire stadium erupted in an enormous cheer because Bills fans and Chiefs fans both hate Tom Brady. And it was it was pretty it was pretty funny to see it. But, um, no, I'm good good on the Rams. Uh, I read a – one of my buddies sent me a stat. Matt Stafford going into that game was 4-33 and 33 against the spread in November, December, and January against teams with a 500 record or better. So we wow. finally got over the hurdle and beat a big-time team, and we'll see what he can do this week because if he wins, he's got as many Super Bowl appearances as Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Yes, he does. Not as many Super Bowl wins, though. He does have the one dub. But 
Uh, you mentioned, like, how they gave that play up, like, and we'll dive into a little bit more of the numbers later. This Bucks defense looked confused all game, dude. Like, this is a... T- I was talking about it with my roommate. The notion that you can just plug in players that you were saving to get healthy for playoffs like this notion that you can keep guys on IR and then bring them back for the playoffs and expect it to just like go together like glue and work perfectly no those dudes haven't played in live action football all together since week one of the regular season so all of those guys just being plugged in and coming back you saw it. There was miscommunications going on all game. I mean, Levante David was in the ears of everybody. He was screaming at his defense. They were just confused. They hadn't played together, and they didn't have that chemistry on the defensive side. So, yeah, that was something I noticed. But All right, let's dive into some of the notable performances from this one. Uh, Matt Stafford gets the monkey off his back. He goes 28 for 38, 366 yards, and two touchdowns. And obviously, Cooper Cup had a lot to do with that. Nine catches, 183, and a tud. And OBJ had a lot to do with it, too. We're seeing prime OBJ now. Six catches, 69 yards. And then on the other side, Tom Brady, 354, 329, a touch, and an interception. Then you got Mike Evans, uh, eight catches, a little over 100 yards, and a touchdown. Playoff Lenny did his thing, two rushing touchdowns. And you got Gronk with 85 yards. But now we are in a very interesting situation. Because Real quick. Brady, with, yeah, go ahead. With, with, with Cooper Cup, where does he rank right now with the wide receivers in the league? Like, is he, is he the best receiver in your guys' mind? Or do you think that, like, do you think he'll be able to duplicate what he did this year, next year, and so on and so forth? I just didn't know where, where where do you guys have him ranked or who do you have ranked over Cooper Cup right now? See, we had this conversation on the pod a while ago. Like, if I were picking three wide receivers to defend the earth right now against the aliens, I don't know if I'm picking Cooper Cup. Like, I think I'm picking... All right, who would you go with? Yeah. Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and Diop. Because those guys are just, like, nope. physical... Mm-hmm prowess you know like i you throw them into any offensive system and they're gonna ball is what i'm saying because they are i'm taking i'm taking jefferson over hopkins yeah i'm taking cooper cup over hopkins i I probably would as well i don't i don't know i'm probably taking jamar chase over hopkins too i'm surprised you didn't take aj brown over cooper cup or donovan people jones for that matter that conversation man (laughs) come on you had that i think that grab on sunday yeah, I think Cooper Cup is extremely good. I think we're seeing what he can do because, you know, who did, who did he have at quarterback before Stafford? I mean, Jared Goff. I mean, no offense to Jared Goff, but he's not Matthew Stafford. And we saw what he can do with a legitimate quarterback. Um, so I think that I top five, definitely, um, in my mind. I think he's right there at that three or four behind. I would put Devontae Adams at one, and then I'd probably go Hill um it's close for me and then jefferson or cooper cup or or three four and then probably after that hopkins is that's what i would go um but i I think that if you did have him at one i i I can't really argue against it right now um i mean the guy's just balling out and i'm just so impressed by him every single week you think okay this will be the game that cooper cup only has like 50 yards nope he blows up every single week well that's that's my thing like I thought week in and week out, and obviously this is probably more from a fantasy perspective, but every week I thought, okay, he cools it off this week. 
and especially as a Robert Woods owner for a long time, I was like, okay, it's got to happen this week. But he just kept going. And I think as long as he has Matt Stafford next year, which in all likelihood he will, I think he keeps this up. Maybe not, you know, winning the Triple Crown. But he's still probably going to be towards the top of the league and catches yards. I mean, I'm still – I do have somewhat of a hot take, though, that I think Tyree Kill might be the best receiver in the NFL due to literally one thing, and it's the one thing that we all know that he can do. He is faster than anything I've any, – anything. No, cars, humans, <laughs> spaceships, anything I've ever seen. I mean, spaceships? he takes a dig route. <laughs> did, yeah, you guys, did you guys see that video? Of, uh, did you see that video of him in high school running track and just absolutely blew by some yeah. of those guys? I mean, oh. just you're right. He's extremely fast. One question, and one guy that we didn't even mention, and I don't know how he's going to come back after this year, is Michael Thomas. Where do you think Michael Thomas is in that conversation? Slam board. Oh, uh, mm. like fifteenth. Like I've okay. I, I talked about this preseason. Like without Drew Brees, everything that Michael Thomas did was predicated on timing. And without the timing, the elite level timing that Drew Brees brings you, I don't think Michael. I've never watched a Michael Thomas highlight in my life, well, so I don't think. And not having to catch a ball more than 10 yards downfield. Well, yeah, but like I'm saying, like the timing, the, those timing routes, those, you know, short to very short intermediate routes, you know, that's what he did pretty much. And it was all timing. And without that elite level timing, he's not, he can't separate as well. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it. Good debate though. I don't good think he'll be very good. Bring up about yeah. uh, Cooper cup. I just, I can't doubt what he's doing anymore, so maybe he is in my top three. Maybe he does get over D-Hop, but I don't think he'll do what he did this year again because, well, he got the second most receiving yards ever in an NFL season by a wide receiver. So if you're asking me do I think he's going to keep up that pace, uh, hell no. And he also had 16 touchdowns this year, so I also don't think that will keep up. But, yeah, like – Tyreek Hill had the big boom year. They figure him out the next year. Like, they're going to have a game plan for Cooper Cup next year. Every team in the NFL is. So, all right. But, as I was saying, uh, we are in a very interesting situation now because two of the players that we have all watched and enjoyed much of our football watching careers, Brady and Gronk, are standing at the doors of retirement now. And we didn't really think that was going to be the case with Brady, you know. I thought it was no question he would play till 45 return next year. But he made some comments after the game, and he was noncommittal about his future. And then he expanded on that on the Let's Go podcast with Larry Fitz. And he said, you know, my family's going to play a big role in the decision. And he said, I quote, playing football, I get so much joy from. I love it. But not playing football? There's a lot of joy in that for me also now. With my kids getting older and seeing them develop and grow, so all these things need to be considered, and they will be. And then he also said, and I quote, uh, it pains, Giselle, uh, to see me get hit out there. <laughs> and when he said that, I thought about the uh, the BS, like eh, roughing the passer that he wanted when he just kind of got like – he got hit in the mouth and yeah yeah he thought he like got absolutely murdered and he's like got blood all over him it's like dude it's a little chip on the lip yeah exactly and i just pictured giselle just being like oh my god <laughs> like i don't know why i pictured that but um anyway better better than britney matthews <laughs> that's the truth this spraying frozen champagne on fans at arrowhead but uh, she said, and she deserves what she needs from me as a husband, and my kids deserve what they need from me as a dad. So, definitely sounds like sounds like some dude who doesn't want to play football next year. But 
And then Gronk, on the other hand, uh, he's apparently expected to take three to five weeks to make his decision. But he said today, if they're like, Rob, you've got to decide right now, right this second, if you're playing next year, I would say no right now. So both of these guys kind of alluding to maybe not playing next year. Any predictions? Tyler, I'll start with you. I think Brady comes back. I mean, I think this is all a smokescreen. Um, I think it's, you know, the emotion after losing, after you tried to come back and we're on the brink of coming back and winning that game. It's all emotion right now. I can't Gronk, you know, do I think he'll be back? Maybe, but I, I, I would say percentage wise, if Brady comes back, I would put it at like 80%. I, I think that he definitely comes back for another year for sure. I don't appreciate the fact that if it is the end for Brady, that we weren't aware of this before the season started, because I would have taken in every game that he played and appreciated it. Jaden, do you think Tom Brady's headed to retirement? I'm kind of thinking the opposite of Tyler. Like, I think that if there was like, you know, you, you almost come back, but you don't quite get it done. I think it would be a, like a fit of rage of like, hell yeah, I'm coming back. Of course I'm coming back. Like, you know, I've got to go avenge this loss or whatever. And then later on, he's like, you know, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. And I kind of, I, I don't think he's coming back. I definitely think it's going to be either both of them or neither of them. I don't think Gronk comes back without Brady. I think if Brady comes back, then Gronk will come back with him. Yeah, I just, sure. I just don't think Gronk wants to play for anybody else. So if, if Brady comes back, I think Gronk will come with him, but I just, I, I don't think Brady wants to come back. I think a lot of what he said like, I mean, there's no no more hype videos, like no more pregame hype videos. Like that was like it, like, you know, talking about the family and everything. I kind of think that he's ready to hang it up. I guess my thing is I just can't envision Brady going out like this. Like, in my opinion, if he was going to retire, I thought he would have done it after last year. You know, you win the Super Bowl, you ride off into the sunset and that was it. I think that the competitor in him when it comes, you know, March or April, even May, even. Um, I think the competitor in him is just going to kick in and he's going to be like, no, nah, I can't go out like that. Like, I, we got to win the Super Bowl. I, I, and that's that's just Brady uh, as a whole. Just the, the guy and what he's showcased over the last two decades plus, I can't see him going out on a loss like that. I, I got to – I would have – if he were to get into the Super Bowl and lose that, that might be a different story. Um, but, I, yeah, that, that's just more that, – that's how I feel. Um, but, you know, you made some great points as far as – no more hype videos, and he just kind of seems deflated, just kind of like out of it. But once again, I think that that does come back to what just happened. Yeah, like, ah, this doesn't seem like a guy that's going to want to come back. Like, you mentioned, like, oh, Brady doesn't want to go out like that. But what it, this dude does not have to prove anything to anybody ever again. Like, he doesn't have anything to prove. So why would why would he come back? I mean, I think... This truly does sound like a guy who's going to retire, and it's unfortunate and it kills me because I would have taken it. I, I would have taken it in all season if I knew this was going to be his last year. But you know, because it kind of seems like a Brady thing to retire here. But yeah, as you mentioned, Brady uh, Gronk has been quoted saying that he will not play for another quarterback besides Tom Brady. So if Tom's not back, then Gronk's not back. But if he is back, then he will play. But all right, let me move on here. Uh, really quickly, guys, if that is it for the duo, is it the most dominant duo since Jerry Rice and Montana? Hmm. I mean, it's up there. I mean, I think I can't even think of any Peyton, Peyton and Marvin, but he also yeah. had Peyton, Peyton and Reggie Wayne as well. 
Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I, I, outside of those guys, who else would you guys put in that conversation as, you know, most dominant quarterback? I mean, especially considering the, the success that they experienced, the success that they experienced together, I think is kind of unmatched outside of rice and Montana. Like you can put together a lot of great quarterback receiver duos, but how many of them won, you know, three Super Bowls together, plus put up the numbers that both of them did together. And the craziest part is like, all the resume that the two of them have together is fantastic. And Gronk started playing at the midway point of Tom Brady's career. Yep. Gronk only played for half of Tom Brady's career and they've done all this. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the other thing with both of them kind of going out. It's like, what else can you do? You know, what else do you have to prove? Cause you've done it all. I mean, you, you really and truly have you're, you're the best, like you said, the best quarterback to receiver or, or tight end tandem, uh, you've won all these Super Bowls, it's, it, and that's the that's the, the the main argument is is what else can you do? And if they feel like they've still got that competitive edge and say, hey, we still got more to prove, then that's when they come back. But if they decide, hey, we have nothing else to prove, that's it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Totally agree. All right, let's move on from the uh, Brady and Gronk talk, and let's move on to possibly the best game of all time that we saw on Sunday night, and that was the Bills and the Chiefs in a hell of a barn burner. Uh, Final score in this one, Bills 36, Chiefs 42, but let me set the stage a little bit. So, this is just from the two-minute warning forward, and this does not include overtime. So, from the two-minute warning on, uh, the Bills... Josh Allen throws a 27-yard touchdown pass to Gabriel Davis, and then they get the two-point conversion to Stephon Diggs that gives them a three-point lead. And then the next possession, the Chiefs got it. Uh, Tyree Kill runs it in, 64 yards for a touchdown. He did a little peace sign again, which I'm surprised he didn't get a taunting for doing it a second time. But, yeah, that was wild. And then the Bills come back, and they score a touchdown in 49 seconds to give them yet another three-point lead. And that touchdown pass was also to Mr. Gabriel Davis. Uh, And then 13 seconds left for the Kansas City Chiefs. And obviously you're counting them out, but everybody knows the story. They take the ball 44 yards downfield to kick the game-tying field goal. And then it comes down to overtime. And the Chiefs score on the first drive in overtime on a ball to Mr. Travis Kelsey. So... From the two-minute warning on, combined 25 points scored. And Josh Allen in the final two minutes plus overtime and Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen, 102 yards and two touchdowns beyond the two-minute warning and overtime. Mahomes, 188 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, most, most quarterbacks, a lot of quarterbacks wouldn't be able to put that up in a single game. So Jimmy G. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely wild. Absolutely insane. Uh really quickly, do you think we're looking at Josh Allen, Mahomes? Is that the best thing since Manning Brady? I would say so. I mean it's it's definitely shaping up that way. They met in the AFC championship last year. They met in the AFC divisional this year. Uh I they're they're two of the if we're ranking them one and two as far as quarterbacks in the league, then yes, it's it's going it's on that trajectory of being the Manning Brady. Now, what it's going to take is Josh Allen to get over that hump and actually beat Mahomes one of these times, because as of right now, Mahomes has got his number, even though they beat him in the regular season. So I 
I, I do think it's there, but uh, yeah, he's going to have to get over that hump sooner or later. If I'm not mistaken, though, that took I know Manning, five years uh, at least. Yeah, I mean, he didn't because he beat... went in he went in 06, and Brady had won three Super Bowls before 06, and I mean Manning was in the league before him. So, For sure, it was it was a little bit. Yeah, no, I but. Unquestionably, I think we're looking at Manning Brady 2.0, if not even better, because oh, for sure, these yeah. guys can do things that those two just physically could not do. So, yeah, definitely a rivalry to be enjoyed for the next decade or so. So I'm super hyped about that. But a lot of the debate about this game afterwards was the overtime rules, and they've been called into question once again. Uh, it happened with the Chiefs a couple years ago. They actually appealed to the NFL trying to get the overtime rules changed, and they didn't even bring it to a discussion. But now I think they're almost forced to have a discussion because, you know, it comes down to the coin flip. Chiefs win the coin flip. Bills don't get the ball. Patrick Mahomes scores on the first drive against a gassed Buffalo Bills defense, and that's the end of the game. Nobody wants to see that. So, Jaden, I'll start with you, man. What are your thoughts on the overtime rules? You want to see a change? I mean, yeah, I could go on. If you've listened to any kind of sports outlet over the last three or four days, you've heard people talk about it. I just, like, imagine if you had to get the basketball in basketball and the first person to hit a three-pointer wins the game or the first person to hit a home run. Like, that just, like, I, the added touchdown is cool. Like, I remember they – what, 10 years ago, they did that where it's, like, no longer field goal. Yeah, they but did it because the Vikings lost the to the new... Saints in the NFC Championship on a field goal. That's yeah. why they changed that. Yep. And I remember, I mean, the first thing that I remember about it was obviously the Demarius Thomas thing. Uh, was, like, I'm pretty sure that might have been the first win with those overtime yeah. and the playoffs anyway. But in the playoffs – Teams that win the coin toss have won 10 out of the 11 games, and they've scored on seven of the 11 opening drives. There has been one time that a team has deferred in the last 20 years. One coach has deferred and said, take the ball in overtime, and it was Marty Morningway in 2002, and the other team just walked right down the field and kicked the field goal. Like, there, there's no – it's literally a coin flip to win the game or not. And I understand that in the regular season because you got TV deals and stuff that you got to deal with. You can't have games going to double and triple overtimes and stuff like that and the game going on forever. But in the playoffs, when it's, you know, players, teams, owners, GMs, coaches, futures being decided by these games, you cannot keep Josh Allen, who outside of the other guy playing quarterback is probably the most dynamite player in the NFL right now. You can't let him not have the ball. Now, could also make the argument of why on earth did the Bills not squib kick the ball? Why did they put it into the end zone? Because you squib kick the ball, it takes five, six seconds off. Like, I know you're afraid of giving it to Tyreek or Mecole or whoever was back there, but, like, who, who would you rather have with it, Mecole Hardman or Patrick Mahomes with two or three timeouts? It, I don't know. It's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, they take Could have been prevented, the but they got to they they change. The house game's over. Yeah, right, but it's the risk that you run, this? but yeah, yeah, exactly. What are the odds that that ends up happening? Yeah, a swim, like, yeah. I, know I would take shorter, my chances, I would take my chances with that rather than what they did. That's fair, that's fair. I uh, and, and here's, here's, here's my question. If the Bills get the ball first and the Bills go down and score, is this even a conversation? And I don't think it is. 
I think we're all talking about how great Pat, uh, Josh Allen is and how he got over the hump and beat Patrick Mahomes, and nobody's even bringing this up. The only reason people are bringing this up now is because of who won. And I think that's bullshit. I'm sorry, but I think it is. And do I think that they should change it? Possibly. But at the same time, you have to play within the rules of the game and how they are right now. And how they are right now is you have a chance to hold them to a field goal or a punt and get the ball back and then go down and win the game. So as much as I want to say that they should be changed, at the same time, I can sit there and say that they shouldn't because there are two sides to the ball. One of them is offense and one of them is defense. And you have to play both in the NFL. Unfortunately, it's not, hey, you get the ball, you can go down and just automatically score. No, they, they should have had a, a little bit more resistance. And I know that Mitchell is going to make the argument that the defense is gassed. And I know the statistics prove it otherwise. But at the same time, you, you had a job and you didn't do that job. And unfortunately, you lost. And like I said, if the roles are switched, is this even a conversation? Do you guys think that this is a debate right now if the Bills call the coin toss correctly and win the game? Yeah, because then the Chiefs I fans don't. are pissed too. Mm -hmm. And like, well, right, but nobody cares about the that Chiefs fans. That's the thing is I, everybody I, in America was rooting for the Bills to win that game, except for people that probably either Chiefs fans or people that bet on the Chiefs. Those are the only two people in my mind that were probably like, I want yeah, the Chiefs to win. Yeah, but you think win. about it uh, in context, let's say, yeah. So Patrick Mahomes drives down the field in 13 seconds, gets that field goal, and then the Bills win the toss, and then the Bills win the game. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine the riot? I feel like there would be a huge debate because Patrick why, Mahomes late the game, not 13 seconds heroics are thrown out the window and don't even mean anything at that point. And and I would make that argument, Jaden. The Chiefs should have played defense in that in that situation. That's Yeah, no, that, I will definitely You have make to play you have to you have to play defense yeah. one way or the other. How the so, Josh okay, Allen did so not lose this game. What is, Bills defense lost this game. Like how does how do you it, it's not even like, okay, you let Patrick Mahomes score on the first touchdown drive. Like, okay, like not many teams are going to stop Patrick Mahomes like that. But um, they should have stopped him with 13 seconds left on the clock. That sh definitely should have happened. Like, Right, and then we're not even in this debate for sure. Right, exactly. Like, I don't care how you gassed, or, yeah, how gassed you are. It's 13 seconds. Let's go. Like, anyway, absolutely. Okay, sorry. so quick question. What okay. is your proposal to fix the overtime rules? What would you do, Tyler? You got a smile on your face. What, what would you do? Yeah, my man Frank the Tank on Barstool. Uh, I loved his proposal. His proposal is whoever gets the ball first, if they go down and score a touchdown, the other team gets possession. But if they score a touchdown, they have to go for two. So the team that scores first can go for two or they can kick the extra point, And then the second team would get the ball back, but they have to go for two. And in my opinion, that would end it right there. Yeah. Okay, because, like, I mean, obviously this has been a huge topic because of everything that's going around it. So I've seen a bunch of proposals. I've seen seen that one. I've seen, like, a college overtime style thing where, like, you start on, like, the 50-ish and the same rules apply. And then I've just seen, like, just make it an extra quarter. Just make it another 10 minutes. And whoever's winning at the end of that 10 minutes wins. Kane, did you have something? I like the college format. Um, I really – I, and it's different, you know, because college, college football is absolutely wild and crazy things happen. And uh, it's more exciting that they have the overtime format set up like that right now. And maybe that might not transition the best over to the NFL. But you think about it, like, if it, can't, if it came down to the Bills and the Chiefs going back and forth on two-point conversions, imagine how fun that would have been. Like, I've watched games yeah. in college that were like, eh. I loved it. And see, I don't agree with that. Time and like that. 
don't know. I don't agree with the two point conversion off in 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 a game of that magnitude. Well, I would rather have I would I would rather have the overtime situation what it is uh, in in this situation than I would rather have the two point off. I I don't mind the whole start at the fifty and and see what happens. I don't mind the well, fifteen minute quarter. No, you have th- two overtimes before that, and then they go to it. But I just, I, I would hate to see that happen. I'd rather see this happen than that because, as much as everybody wanted to see Josh Allen with the ball, he's not the only player on the team. I, th- I think it should just be you got to match points for points. If one team goes down and scores three, you got it. You got at least score three, or the game's over. And like you know, each team gets an equal shot, and whoever's winning at the end of the second possession wins. Now, with that, with with what you said with the quarter, as far as an extra quarter being played, what happens if they're tied after that quarter? You go to another one. Hmm. Like, let's say each team gets the ball twice. You know. Yeah, see that, and that's where that comes into play. (laughs) That thing comes into play. Really, not a fan of the two point off, huh? No, I I don't think that somebody's season should be decided by that. I would rather have it decided with you saying. All right, D, you got to go out there and win it. I mean, what's the famous quote? Defense wins championships. Well, Not anymore, man. Bill's Not defense more. can't win them their, them, them their championship, I guess. Not to mention and maybe, that. And maybe the Chiefs defense wouldn't have won. You know, maybe they wouldn't have stopped them. Who, who knows? Not to mention that this Bill's defense was probably the best defense from this past regular season. And yeah. the fact that they couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes in 13 seconds is bizarre. But anyway, all right, let's move on from the overtime talk, and I'll go over some of the notable performances real quick. Uh, you got Gabe Davis, dude, going eight catches, 201 yards, and four touchdowns. That is the most receiving touchdowns ever in a playoff game. That is I did I did draft him in my uh, 12-man league, actually, this year, but I had to end up dropping him and. I was waiting for this performance, but clearly <laughs> didn't come in the fantasy season. They had the they had their boy Stefan Diggs doubled all game. I had the over on everything Stefan because I I was like, of course, you know, uh, he watched the Chiefs celebration last year. He's gonna go. He's gonna do everything in his power. He's gonna get Josh Allen in his face and be like, dude, you have to give me the ball a hundred times in this game. I thought that's how it was gonna be, but. I mean, you can't really do much if you're being double teamed, and he didn't do anything. Three catches. He did have a big hit. Seven yards. Yeah. Big hit on, on the a, fan. Uh, fan. Yep. <laughs> was... I, I got like four or five texts saying, I hope that wasn't you running on the field. You <laughs> <laughs> looked pretty pumped, man. His quarterback had a hell of a day, obviously. 27 for 37, 329 yards, and four touchdowns. He also went 68 yards on the ground. And then. Patrick Mahomes went 33 for 44, 378 yards, and three touchdowns. He also got 69 yards on the ground as well. Um, And then Travis Kelsey, on the other side, he had eight catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. And then Tyree Kill had 11 catches, 150 yards, and that touchdown and obviously a lot of that yardage comes from the big play where he hit the peace sign on the run so yeah a hell of a game to say the least well that does it for our divisional round recap uh obviously one of the best weekends in football that we've seen in a very long time but 
We've got the AFC Championship and the NFC Championship fastly approaching on Sunday. Everybody's super hyped for that. So I can't wait. We will do another podcast tomorrow uh, previewing the AFC, NFC Championship matchups and going over some of the league news like Sean Payton headed out of New Orleans, uh, Baltimore possibly bringing in AB. You know, there's a lot to talk about which we will dive all into tomorrow. But for me, Jaden Kozak and Tyler North at the Blitz Pod, we are signing off. We will catch you tomorrow, guys. Peace.